this morning we are introducing the third part of this series, Re-Envisioning Discipleship. And I want to thank all of you that have been praying for me during this series. Uh, I've been so encouraged by emails, phone calls, uh, texts. And uh, I'm so grateful for your response to these messages. And I pray that you will be blessed this morning. So your prayer is extremely, extremely important. Because our desire is not just to give a message or a speech. It's to give the word of God. And there is a great responsibility. And uh, I want to do this with a great fear uh, of the Lord. So pray for me also, please, in these expositions. In part one of this series, we discuss how we need to understand the times where we are living in. So we cannot be assimilated by the culture, but we can be relevant, being different to the culture. The second message was concerning discipleship lesson from captivity. And we saw how Daniel and other young men reacted to the imposition of the king of Babylon. In a foreign land, they stood for what was their faith. And today we were speaking about the third part, learning Christ to live a life worthy of our call. And this is expressed in Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 17 to chapter 5 until verse 21. So we will start the reading in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. And during the sermon we will touch briefly those other passages of the scriptures. And let's pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to us through his word. Now this I say and I testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. As the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self. Which belongs to your former manner of life. And is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. May the Lord continue to bless the other readings that we'll have during this sermon. You see, Ephesus was one of the great cities of Asia Minor. It was a Roman capital of that province. Actually, it was located in, in the actual Turkey. And um, because of the strategic position, it was a key port and it was very well known in the older times for the temple where people were coming from all the world to worship Diana or Artemis for the Greek. That temple of Diana was one of the best buildings in the world. And it's interesting that even when Paul was there to preach the gospel, something particular happened, if you remember. Because the transformation that the gospel brought in the city stopped the worship to Diana. And many people were living about that worshiping site. So they rebelled against Paul and they tried to reduce him to prison. 
So Paul paid a brief visit to Ephesus in the second missionary trip that he had. And then he came back um, after he had left Priscilla and Aquila. You can find this in Acts chapter 18 from verse 18 to 28. But in the third missionary trip that he had, he stayed there for more than two years. And his ministry there had the greatest impact during the all uh, beginning of Christianity. So what we can see in this epistle, there are some things that are very particular to the Ephesians. You know, Ephesians is one of the few epistles that Paul wrote that is not dealing with problems in the church. He was there to encourage the church to prevent the problems. So when we read Ephesians, keep in mind that these three particular themes that we have. One, Paul begins saying that we are chosen in Christ. And then he moves to saying we live together in Christ. And then because of that, we bring the life that we have in Christ in a newness way of lifestyle and living towards other people that don't know Christ. So in this message, we see how the believer has also the responsibility to mature in Christ Jesus. It's not that you start, you walk with God, and then you stop. And you know, we are talking about baptism, of encouraging people to be baptized. You know, the, 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 the mission of the church is not just allowing people to get to know Jesus and being baptized, and then stop to work and pray for them. No, new birth is just the beginning. As parents, they have a baby. And we had a family here that had a baby not long ago. I believe that this is not the arrival point for them. It's just the beginning, right? Can you imagine if parents could have a child and then it will say to the, to the baby, bye-bye, our duty is done. Now you live in your home. Paul is trying to say this. We are the body of Christ. We have a family. We are the church. We need to encourage one another so we can mature spiritually and become one in Christ. So today I want to share something that has to do with a very practical starting point on how we can re-envision discipleship. First of all, re-envision discipleship requires Christ being in you and you being in him. I want to repeat that because it's very important. Re-envision discipleship requires Christ being in you and you being in him. This is what Paul is saying. The nature of our learning is not something that comes out from us. It's coming out from the conviction of the Holy Spirit in us. Everything of spiritual growth and purpose of reality has to do with the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And after Paul begins speaking about those who don't know Christ, living in deceitfulness, being in darkness by their own sins, Paul says, but this is not the way that you learn Christ. That's not the way that we should walk with Christ. So it brings up something very different. Paul, he wants you and I to realize that learning Christ is impossible and the futility of our own natural mind. We cannot know Jesus. We cannot know Christ on our own. We can do with our own mind. We need the conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit. And you know, you can see that some people may adopt values and morals that are typical of the Christian faith. 
but their life is empty inside. You can be good Christian from outside, but unless the Holy Spirit comes and works in your life, and you understand the new life that you have in Christ, you are spiritually dead. And Paul is trying to say this. This verse, I believe, and the two verses that are following verse 20, in my opinion, are one of the best that we can find in the Bible to speak about the transformation that happens in the life of a believer. You see, some Bible translated verse 21 with a, a small difference. If indeed you have been taught by him. Some Bible translate by him. But the original Greek version says, In him. If indeed you have been taught in him. You see, there is a big difference in being taught by Christ and being taught in Christ. There is a difference between exterior faith and faith that comes from inside. Where Jesus Christ uh, comes to, to change our lives and our direction. Paul emphasizes for us that the challenges of this new lifestyle flow out of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot learn outside Christ. You have to learn Christ when Christ is inside you, in your heart. See, learning Christ cannot be defined neither by intellectual knowledge only, and uh, nor by good works that we do. Being a good person doesn't make you a good Christian. Not necessary. Of course, it's good to do good works. And the, uh, and the apostle in chapter 2, verse 10, says that we already have been prepared to accomplish the good works that Christ Jesus already prepared for us, even before the foundation of the world. But good works in its own cannot save us. Intellectual knowledge in itself cannot Save us. Though is extremely important. Again, these are good things. But they will not help you to truly learn Christ Jesus. And you know, I'm so careful. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring this clarity in all of us this morning. Because I struggle with uh, the beginning of my faith about that. I was attending church all my life. And... Uh, there was a time where I ran away from God, even if it was still in church. And when I came to the Lord, I was so eager to know Jesus more. I just don't want to be in church. I want to know Jesus more and more. I have a very hard desire to know Jesus more, to learn about Christ. But my idea to knowing Christ was this. I have to do more things for God. So I went to see the pastor that happened to be my father in itself. <laughs> and I said, Dad, I'm not, just, I, I'm not here to worm the pews. I want to do something. I want to know Jesus more. And my father gave me a good beginning. He said, go and help her to clean the bathroom and help her the sister. That was my first ministry in the church. And it was a great way to learn humility, I have to say. Because the sister that was doing that, she was a very simple soul. She didn't know how to read. She didn't know how to write. She was a very humble person and uh, aged, curved uh, for the problem that she had in her spine. And uh, she told me, little brother Mario, please let me do this. This is the only way that I can serve the Lord. 
And such a simplicity really touched my, my heart. What I'm trying to say that I was trying to do more works, more reading the Bible, more praying, more fasting. Uh, I, I never miss a service for months. And believe me, in those times, there was not just a service on Sunday. With my father, <laughs> every single evening, there was a church. And why? Because I want to learn more Christ. I was looking to learn Christ like this. And, and I was very familiar with the need of uh, the concept of uh, learning Christ. But I always think that Christ was outside me. And more I was doing this, more disappointed I was. Because I was not feeling that answer to my, my longing. And please, no misunderstanding. I don't want to be misunderstood. Those things are important. Those things are important. But alone, they cannot stand. They need the presence of Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, if we forget that Christ lives in us, we fail to enjoy the life that Christ Jesus gave us. It's like a mirage in the desert. It's like an hallucination. And you know if you see a mirage, you, you think there is something. You get it close and that mirage will move forward again. And you are following that desire. It never happened to you. And that's the life of Christ when it's outside us. When we try to govern that with our own intellectual mind. And we forget that Christ Jesus lives in us. Is in us. Is in us. And maybe some of you are thinking, what is wrong with praying or reading the Bible, serving the church more and more? I'm telling you, there is nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. I want to encourage you to practice those uh, Christian disciplines. But if we forget again that Christ Jesus lives in us and that we cannot, we cannot enjoy His presence if we want to gain that presence doing things for Him. Paul makes clear in chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, that we are saved not by works, but only by faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ, so no one of us could boast. Salvation is a gift from God. And Jesus is many things to us only if He is first in our life. If He has the throne, the control of our heart. You see, we may thank Him as a Savior, we can adore Him and worship Him and fear Him as a, the living God. We can wait Him and hoping for His coming back. But yet, unless we understand that is first our life and uh, that all these titles follow after that, we will never enjoy His presence in us. In other terms, all that to do with uh, this is understanding the nature of our relationship with Christ. The very foundational reality beneath all others is the fact that Christ Jesus came to give us light. You know, Paul wrote it to the Galatians. And he gave a personal, wonderful testimony of his own experience. What happened to him. Remember Paul? It was a, a very successful young doctor of the law. Of the Jews. He had a great destiny. A great career. 
He was educated and discipled under the great Dr. Gamaliel. He was the best teacher that you can have in that time. But he realized something. That he knew about God, but he didn't know God in his heart as his life. But when Jesus met him on the Damascus road, something changed, drastically changed in his life. From the outside, the fear, the longing for God that was leaving him with emptiness in his heart. Paul changed perspective when Jesus came in his heart. And look at what he says in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. You see Paul before Christ didn't have a life. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if Jesus is in your heart, you can learn so much about him, but you are dead inside. You can do work. You can do ministry. You can read the Bible 10 times. You're still dead. What is the difference? It's Christ in you that will give you life. The old man is dead. We are new creation now. And this... Is what is important. The second point that I want to share with you. Re-envision discipleship demands learning more about Jesus. And living with him. You see learning Christ happens when he reveals himself from the inside. And Jesus actually is living in your spirit. In your soul. In your heart. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't be scared about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the major witness of the presence of God in your life. If we don't have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, there is no witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your heart. So important. Paul is very clear. Verse 20 and 21. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth. Is in Jesus. You see Paul makes the difference. You may heard about Jesus. You may heard about this. But I'm assuming that you were taught in the right way. That Jesus is in your heart. And brothers and sisters. Re-envisioned discipleship demands. That we take truly in consideration. The fact that scriptures. Tells us time and after time again, that the living God resides in the spirit and soul of those who trust him and accept him as a personal savior. We cannot do the work of teaching others about becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ if we don't start with this truth that is fundamental. Christ Jesus must live in our hearts and we must have the weariness of Jesus living in us. We have been saved because of that. And the most difficult thing for us is that though the scripture describes the resurrected Son of God living in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit, we ignore it and we stick with our human understanding and nature 
and we build our own images of God. We build our own way to understand God. And we forget that the only way to understand God is through the power of the Holy Spirit that enlightens us the scriptures of God's word in our hearts. If you want to be disciple, we must start by this. You see, the danger is that we may know all this, but reality is that most of us, we don't practice what we know about this truth. And because of that, again, your Christian life is missing the joy, is missing the abundant life that Jesus promised to those who could follow him. An abundant life is not having everything going great. Oh, no trials, no tribulations, nothing. I'm a Christ, so I pray, Lord, make me rich. And this happened. I have a problem, Lord, resolve that problem. Like a genie with a, a lamp, you know, and you call him out and the genie will do everything for you. That's the false doctrine of prosperity gospel that we don't believe. It is against the Bible. But we have the understanding that abundant life comes also in trials and tribulation. When God is shaping our lives and is giving us the strength and the joy of the Lord is such that even though we are going through the valley of the shadow of death, we are standing. We are giving glory to God. We are praising His name. And Paul Silas, we're imprisoned in Philippi. We're not in the best hotel. They were being beaten hardly, throw it in jail, forgotten there. But they start to praise the name of the Lord. No condemnation for everything that they had received. Just praising God for the opportunity that they had to being persecuted because of the gospel. My brothers and sisters, we need, we need, we need to start from the truth. That our life is not what we have from the outside. It's what we have inside. And we carry the living presence of the Holy Spirit. That will bring witness to Jesus Christ in our hearts. It's the testimony of the Holy Spirit. That will give you the warmth of the embrace of Jesus Christ. It's not just the feelings. It's the dwelling presence of God. Because the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit gives you strength. The Holy Spirit gives you guidance. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, learning Christ happens when our soul and spirit becomes deeply acquainted with the new life that resides in us. Prior to the new birth, you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins. Without God and without hope to have eternal life, we're spiritual dead. Now, if you have a, a body that is dead, you can punch the body, you can talk the wonderful things that Christ can do, but the body is dead. The person is dead. There is no life. And this what happened. You may read the Bible, but if there is no the presence of the Holy Spirit in you, there will be no benefit for you. There will be no joy, transformation. Prior to the new birth, we're living as a living being, but dead spiritually. Read in chapter 2 of Ephesians from verse 1 to 2. Paul explains very clear that. Look, 
what is uh, teaching to the Ephesians? And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the curse of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Can we add something more clear to that? We were dead. We were dead. And you know why I say that? Because I experienced, and I'm sure that some of us experienced that. I was dead in my sins, in my pride of being convinced that I was a good guy. Dead in my trespasses. Until the life of Jesus came in me. And I remember the first time that I got convicted. I was convinced I was a good guy. I remember saying to my father, I will show you that I can be a good person without being Christian. And you know what? That night that the Holy Spirit touched my heart and I surrendered to him. I felt to be the greatest sinner. I felt the conviction. I was in desperate need of a savior. Lord, have mercy on me. I, I, I cried to God. Lord, save me, please. I'm dead without you. And Jesus came and brought transformation in my heart. Why? Because his life came in me. The life that is a spiritual life can be given only by the relationship that we have with Jesus. There is another example in the Bible. Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? He went to meet Jesus during the night. He was one of the prominent leaders in the city of Jerusalem. And he was attracted by the teaching of Jesus. But nevertheless, he was afraid of what the other leaders could think about him. So he decided to go and talk with Jesus during the night. And ask him, what I need to do to be saved? To inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus answered to him in John chapter 3, from verse 3 to 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born a water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born from the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. You see, Jesus is speaking about the life that comes from the spirit. Nicodemus was marveling about that. How can this happen? His mind tried to understand. But remember, intellectual knowledge alone cannot save you. It's the Spirit of God that activates your mind. But before it does that, He activates your spirit, your soul. I want to give you a testimony from uh, Carlo Fumagalli is the person that translated the, the Bible in Italian recently, recently, a few years ago now, about 20 years ago. They knew Giovanni Diodati, uh, King James in Italian, we say. 
this man was a priest for more than 30 years maybe. He was uh, teaching others in seminary to become a priest in the city of Torino in Italy, in Piemonte. And uh, it happened that he was in Christ. He was teaching others about Jesus. He didn't have the life of Jesus in him. He went to speak with the bishop. And the bishop said, maybe you need to discover Jesus going to mission. So he encouraged me to go in Africa where he served for different years. Uh, even in consideration to take a doctorate in anthropology. And he went there. But his life became even worse. He was feeling an hypocrite. Teaching others but not experiencing what he was teaching. A wonderful knowledge of the Bible. He knew Greek, Latin, all Hebrews. All this, all languages. And you know what? His heart was empty. At the end of a few years, he came to the United States for uh, finishing and discussing the thesis on anthropology. And he was in a hotel. Desperate. Alone. Without Christ. And uh, as he was uh, sitting in the room, he find a gospel. You know Thank God for the ministry of the Gideons. And he started to read the Bible. In that condition of desperation. The Holy Spirit came in his life. And convicted him. That night he became a born again Christian. His life changed completely. He became a servant of the Lord. Now he was no more teaching others what he didn't experience. His life had become authoritative, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter how old you can be, if you're young or if you're an old person. It doesn't matter how many times you have been reading the Bible. I have the responsibility to say to you today that if Christ is in, not in your heart, you are dead. We need that awakeness of the Spirit of God in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to make us stand in the presence of God and believing, believing the power of God is in us. And this will bring to the third point. Re-envision discipleship reveals a new way of living. Because when you are connected with Christ, there is no way that you can produce something different. The godliness comes out not from who you are, Formerly, before being Christian. Now you are being connected with the divine. That is Jesus. And you start to produce the life of Jesus. It's natural. It's coming naturally. And you see the goal is not just to say not to sin now. But it's about saying yes to God. And many times we think that Christianity is saying no. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And we forget that Christianity is yes to God. Yes, Lord. I want to love my enemies. I want to say the truth, Lord. I want to forgive others, Lord, that offended me. Yes to God. I want to challenge you as you grow in your spiritual work with God. Say yes to God. Say yes to Him. Love Him. Let the life of Jesus grow in your heart. You see, we must not just throw out our dirty clothes in the hamper. You see, we must put on the new suit. I'm talking to the 
young crowd now. You know, we have uh, this superhero, Superman. It's just uh, Clint Clark, I think his name, without the suit, right? When he brought in the suit, he can fly, he can be Superman. Spider-Man, the same. We are often told that the clothes that make the man, in Italian say, don't make the monk. Just because you have a gown doesn't mean that you are a monk. But let me tell you, in the spiritual realm, this is true. When we clothe ourselves with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we are different. Because in the eyes of God, we are no more sinners. We have been justified by the blood of Jesus, washed, cleansed. Our nature has been changed. Yes, doesn't mean that we are perfect. The Bible never say that. Until we are on this earth, we will still commit sin. But our nature is different now. Our identity is different. Now we have a new life in Jesus Christ. And we can walk in newness of life. We can bring the life of Jesus to our world, to our environment, in our families, in our world. We can do that because Jesus Christ is in us. Because the dwelling presence of the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that. Paul is talking to these believers. And from verse 25, he describes the life that comes with being clothed of the Righteousness of Christ. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Before we're lying, now you see the truth. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. It's incredible. Here, before you were stealing to accumulate. Now you are working to share what you gain. It's amazing. It's the work of the Spirit. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that he may give grace to those who hear. We are building up with our words the other person. And continues, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, I can do a whole series of messages here, but that's unfortunately we don't have the time to do that. But you understand the transformation, the change, radical change that happens in a believer. And you know, there's something very important. When we are living the life of Christ, we bring unity in the church. Because if we apply these things, we cover each other. This unity comes when we are not living that kind of life. I like what John Calvin says. John Calvin, by the way, was a great scholar, a great commentator in the beginning of a great reform. He says, he whose life differs not from that of unbelievers has learned nothing of Christ. 
For the knowledge of Christ cannot be separated from the mortification of the flesh. Technically, you have to die to yourself. I have to die to myself. We sang a beautiful song this morning. And I truly I want to thank the worship team for choosing these beautiful songs. You know, it's the life of Christ in us. And Paul teaches that without that, we cannot contribute to be witness of Christ in this world. Remember in the last sermon, I spoke about Daniel and the other friends contribute to bring the name of the God of Israel alive in good standing in the land of Babylon. How can we show our identity in Christ? Paul is continuing chapter 5, verse 1 to 21, ways to live out our new life for Christ. We could do an entire message again in, in this other portion of the Bible, but it's not the purpose. So we'll run through it, even if this needs your attention when, and my attention when we are in the home. And I want to encourage you to read those two chapters. The apostle continues his argument and pastoral exhortation to show to others the life of Christ, being imitators of God, being imitators of Him. And just to give an analogy, just as a children copy their parents. And one of the ways that we learn as a baby, so as a, and then we grow in our infancy, is the fact that we imitate our parents. Therefore, be imitators of God, who is our father, right? We imitate him as a father, as a beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you. As is proper among saints. Let there not be filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually moral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has not inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Do not become partners with them. We are different, my brothers and sisters. Remember Daniel and the other men took a stand. We are not like the other that will worship the gods of Babylon because of the food that is given, the privilege that is given to us. Therefore, Paul says very clear, do not be assimilated by the culture, the, your culture, the present culture. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as a children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. 
For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look careful then how you walk, not as unwise, but as a wise, making the best of the time. Church, we need to make the best of the time that God has given to us. Let's make the best because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I love this last sentence. Submitting one another. Not because it's convenient. Not because it's due. But because of reverence to Christ. Lord help us in this. I don't have a special application today to close uh, this sermon. I want to just reiterate these three points to you. Knowing that God is not looking the outward appearances like man does. This is what 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7 says. That God or the Lord looks on the heart. And before God this morning, we know and you know. If that life is bringing fruit in all of us. He sees we're really hard. Really hard. It does not matter to God whatever we are old or young. If we are being educated in church or not. If we are attending by school or not. If we are still behind the pulpit or not. It doesn't matter that. It matters if our heart is willing to receive him. So let Christ dwell in you. As you dwell in him. Learn Jesus' way by giving lordship over your life. More you surrender to Christ, the more free you will become. That's my experience. And then apply yourself to walk in the newness of life. Apply. Study yourself. And I read in this portion of chapter 4 and chapter 5. That gives you something to apply. Something concrete. You see, the gospel is not theory only. It's practice. If we do that, I believe that the Lord will bless us greatly. Amen? Can we all stand in the presence of God? Can we take some moments just to reflect on this message? Don't be concerned who is around you or beside you. Just spend a few moments in the presence of God. Between you and God. Allow the Holy Spirit to scan your heart in this moment. He can detect things that maybe are not reflecting the life that he gave to you. 
And there is a beautiful moment where we can allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse us. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't bring conviction just to accuse us. That's the work of the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren. But the Holy Spirit brings conviction so we can be redeemed. Because also he says to you the way that you can overcome the stain that is in your heart, in my heart. So as you are with the Lord, allow him to bless you and guard you in this. Amen.